What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Heavenly Father, we come to you with bowed heads and humble hearts, Lord Jesus. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As it is in heaven, it will be done on earth, Lord Jesus. I pray right now that we surrender any um, known and unknown sins up to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you enter into our heart and expose them, Lord Jesus. Correct and reprove us, Lord Father, so we can be right with you, Lord. We know when we come to you with a contrite spirit and contrite heart, Lord Jesus, open and wanting to hear from you, that you do wonders within inside of us, Lord Jesus. Send your spirit upon this place. Let us be on one accord and one spirit and one mind, Lord Father. Let your will be done. Let no flesh be glorified. Crucify our flesh, Lord Jesus. Unchain our minds from anything that is captivating us away from your word and hearing you, Lord Jesus. Let us incline our ear, Lord. And let us open up our eyes, Father. Unlift the veil and let us continue to seek you in deeper companion and relationship. Father, I pray against any demonic spirits that are going to try to come against this ministry tonight, Lord, or anybody who's listening right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray against them, Lord. Cast them out and send a twofold back to them, Lord Jesus. Because we know that you are here and you are ready, Lord, to do your work, Lord. Thank you. I thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty and most holy and precious name, I pray. Amen. 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 All right. So, um, tonight I am going to be speaking on what your conscience is um, and how it's governed by God and how the scriptures lead us to... um, see that and kind of discern um, moral right versus wrong. But before I get into explaining so much about the conscience, um, I want you to start with writing down um, a whatever you know about the conscience. You cannot use your Bible. You cannot use your tools. <laughs> no research. I want just your background knowledge. What are you coming into this study with um, of the conscience? You can draw it, you can write it out, you can write notes of symbols or things that make you uh, think of the conscience and how it affects you in life, maybe what God's purpose is, what you think the definition is. I'll give you about two minutes. What is your conscience? If you are listening in, um, I encourage you to get a pen and paper out right now and just jot down uh, whatever the Spirit is leading you into this area of understanding. 
since we will be going back and reviewing it. I had you guys do this is um, I want you to have a kind of a basic understanding of where you're coming at coming into the study um, uh, of the conscience and then we will reflect back at the end and see what you learn and have you guys write that down too so you guys can actually see that um, learning being done so anybody want to share their thoughts about what the conscience is I just put the, the inner voice and we try to listen and follow, but we oftentimes ignore it. Okay. Actually, most of us ignore it. Yeah. Like, you know it's there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Derek? I have the conscience of the soul driven by the Holy Ghost. Okay. Uh, Sarah? As Christians, we know it is the Holy Ghost that tells us to obey Jesus Christ, the voice of the Lord. Okay. Do you have anything? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. And uh, just so you guys know, um, I will be asking lots of questions tonight. Um, one thing is I've been studying the Bible. I noticed what Jesus does is he leads by asking questions um, a lot of times. So just as we're going through things, um, I would appreciate the collaboration and participation between everybody. Um, okay, so for the Greek biblical definition um, of conscience, it's actually only found in the actual word conscience. It's only found in the New Testament. It's written 30 different times. Um, and the Greek word for it is sundaesis. So it's Strong's number 4893. Sundaesis. And definition is the soul distinguishing between what is morally good and bad. Condemning or commending, sorry, commending one side and condemning the other side. So here you see um, this uh, soul is either excusing what's right or um, condemning, so accusing what's wrong morally. Um, it actually comes from the origin word sundado, which means um, to have seen, understand, or perceive, or comprehend. And this kind of explains this word of conscience even deeper as in often in the world we condition our conference our conscience depending on what we expose ourselves to so if we are continuing to seek God and read the word we are going to condition our um, conscience to abide by God's law and moral rights versus wrongs and be sensitive to that um, if we are you know, going the ways of the world, the lust of our flesh, um, then we're going to be conditioning ourselves to excuse moral things that even when we first try it, we know it's wrong. Like when you first, if somebody first tries a cigarette or drinks, you morally know it's wrong. Like there's that conscience, that inner in your soul is telling you this is not right. You know, it's alarming you. But people still continue to do it because of the norms around you. And then when you repeatedly do it, repeatedly do that sin, then your conscience um, stops feeling that guilt. Um, so it can be conditioned um, for our morals, so that perception side 
is really what I wanted you to see with that as well. Um, I looked it up for English definition because I always like to compare, you know, what does it mean, the actual word mean in Greek, and then what do, would we see it as? And conscience is split up between two different words, so con and science. Um, so con, anybody know what con means? To uh, deceive somebody? Almost. Kind of So the prefix con actually means with or together, mm -hmm. like conclude, mm -hmm. um, like a conclusion, um, consensus, together, making a end result, or connect, connecting together. So con, so with. Um, science, I mean, it's knowledge. So it's intellectual study of knowledge, evidence, facts, truths, and behaviors of the natural and social world. Um, through observation, um, investigation, and experience. So that kind of made me make the connection with the perceiving it and how you can perceive what your truth is based off of your appetite and what you surround yourself with um, in your life. So uh, the English definition, con, with, and then science, knowledge. So with knowledge. And God you know, gives us lots of knowledge in the Bible, but whether we accept it or reject it um, is up to us, and that's kind of what we're going to get in more to tonight. Um, okay, so let's start with Genesis 3 and 1. We're going to take it back to, we're doing a study on your conscience, Caroline, um, just so you know. Genesis 3 and 1, taking it back to the very first time in the, in the Bible, from the beginning, that we kind of see this conscience um, taking place. As we go through the scriptures, I really want you to be looking and seeing um, maybe how the soul might be um, distinguishing between what's right and wrong um, in this story of the temptation with Adam and Eve. So, Genesis 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, He shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So what right here is showing um, a moral understanding of what's good and evil in Eve's mind right now by saying that? Well, she described where the tree was and mm -hmm. not to touch it or eat it. Yeah, so she's admitting, she, exactly, right. she's admitting she knows this is wrong. Okay, um, going on to four. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. So this is the father of lies and deceit, the serpent coming in and taking lies at her head, giving her doubt. For God does know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And then, or and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and did eat. So what justification 
did Eve make here against her moral conscience to take the fruit? That it looked good. Yep, it looked good. <laughs> so that's one lie. She bled it. It looked good. What else? It's good for food. Right. Knowledge. Knowledge. Worldly wisdom. Mm-hmm. Puts the eyes in and make one wise. So that knowledge, um, which all things like we desire. And you'll see this with Satan a lot. He'll tempt you with things you desire through the wrong avenues, um, through the sin, luring you in that you think you're going to get life in it. But really, if you just obey God's um, commandments, he will lead you to the righteous way. Um, Not always the same ones, because obviously he knows better plans for us than ourselves. Okay. Seven. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So what's happening in seven? What are they feeling? What are they experiencing from their conscience? Shame. Yep. Shameful. Guilt. So that's another thing with our conscience is um, even though normal, because we're made in the creation of God and the image of God, we will naturally know good between evil. Okay? But then once we start sinning, we start conditioning ourselves to accept that. And right here... As soon as you sin, you knew it was the wrong thing. She already admitted. She knew that that wasn't um, the right moral thing in her soul. But then she decided to do it anyways. And then immediately after, because she knew it was wrong, she felt that guilt and felt that shame. So, eight. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Okay. Oh, I'm not done. Um, we are at uh, Genesis 3 and 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree? Whereof I commanded thee that thou should not eat. So here we see in 11, you know, God is questioning him. He's teaching him through these questions. You know, who told you you were naked? You know, who told you this? Um, They immediately felt that shame and that guilt because it was wired inside their conscience to feel that way. Um, God created us to feel that way as a moral compass to teach us right from wrong. Um, no one had to tell him this and he went against God's commandments and that's why he felt that guilt it was sin okay I just imagine too like that's hard like you know how parents just kind of know like when something's going wrong you know and then him just like already knowing what's coming you know and then just like still having to like look them in the face like that awakening of like their innocence being like deluded you know and just like that knowing God's heart Mm -hmm. How do you know? You know, like you're naked, like, I don't know. It's just kind of yeah. true. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay, thanks for sharing. Quick, quick question. Yeah. Do you think that them eating from the apple is a reason they were able to know that they were naked? Yeah. Um, I think once that action took place of the sin, I think, yes, they felt that um, immediately. Um, the guilt, because they knew the action was wrong and against God. Just like if we did something um, we knew we weren't supposed to do, um, 
like internally it's kind of telling us, achiness, this is wrong, this is wrong, and we do it. Um, we don't feel that conviction until we do it, until you make the action. You might in your heart and be like, oh, that attitude is wrong. That's not how it should be, and that prevents you from moving forward into sin. Um, but usually I feel like that nakedness of they're hiding from the presence of God and that guilt and that shame comes um, heavily when you actually do sin and you know that it was wrong. You should read verse 5 and 6 before that. It talks about how they'll be, you know, make them wise and all that. Okay. Um, Alright. Let's go to John 8 and 9. Actually, 8 go to John 8. So it opened our eyes to that, including looking at us, the shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess is shame and guilt considered evil? Or what is it considered? I think it's the result sometimes of a wicked action or, um, or sin. So it's the result of being evil. But I think God created it for a reason to govern our hearts because he can use that to draw us back to him right. too like when we're broken hearted and we do you know and he corrects us and right. approves us so um, I don't necessarily think that feeling is evil um, I think there's a purpose for it but um, I do it's like a wake up call yeah and you're not going to feel that shame if you're which we're going to get into a little bit more um, in a minute if your conscience is seared if you continue to do it and ignore God's correction um, then you won't feel that shame, and that's when I think it becomes more dangerous and evil, is not feeling that shame. At least your heart is still soft and reacting to the Spirit and to what God wants for you. So. Um, okay. I'm not even John 8 and 1. So, through this, I want you to think what, like, this is the veering question. I want you to be thinking in your mind as we're reading the scripture. Um, What is the significance of um, the Pharisees being convicted in their heart? Okay, so 8 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have no accuse of him. But Jesus stopped stooping. Sorry might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had lifted up 
himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thy, those thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So back to verse 9. When the Pharisees heard it, they were convicted by their own conscience. So my question I wanted to bring up here um, to point out, and this is the first time that conscience is um, written in the Bible and used. And what is the significance? So the Pharisees, they're obviously not saved. right? We know that by the scriptures. Um, but it's showing here, right, right here, that they are still convicted and feeling that guilt in their conscience. What do you think um, the importance is in this, or the messages for being convicted still? What is that saying? It's like they, they knew what was right, but they still chose to condemn them, or to just test them, to try them. Mm-hmm. To like accuse them. Right, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's showing... on their hearts, they knew what was right. Yeah. So that's like the main point, is with our conscience, because we're made in the image of God, we innately know morally in our soul what's good or wrong whether we choose to listen to that voice is all up to what we condition our truths and our morals to be um and the whole study tonight is you know conscious being governed by god and how do we get our mind being like christ and following that voice in the right direction um and when we hear those alarms or things to not choose to try to accuse people when the Lord is speaking to us. Um, okay. I want to go to 1 Timothy 3 and 7. I have a lot in Timothy tonight. I like Timothy. Is it first? Yes. 1 Timothy 3 and 7. following by the scriptures and lining up with the spirit. 10. 
and let these also be proved then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless even so must their wives be grave not slanderers sober faithful in all things let let the deacons be the husbands of one wife ruling their children and their own house as well for they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Jesus Christ. So all these things, when you're doing them, serving the Lord, um, you're doing it out of a pure conscience. You're doing the best you can to provide the truth and to walk righteously um, for God. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great in the mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up into glory. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, in hip, hypocrisy, 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 having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So this conscience seared. Um, what? First of all, who can name some false doctrines out there that might be leading people away from um, being sensitive to following morally what's um, right Indian, in our conscience? Buddhism. Good. Any forms of Christianity? Good. Prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel, good. What? Anything out of grace. Yes. Um, so I have this. I have like visuals I'll be passing around. You can just pass them around right there. But yep. <laughs> so the whole coexist thing, basically taking morals and choosing putting pro choice on morals of there is no right and wrong laws of what we can and cannot do, but creating your own for that. But then I ask you, people say, well, you should have choice um, for abortion. Well, if why, if that's true, why does when somebody goes and has an abortion, they feel guilt and shame afterwards? You know, I mean, that's, I mean, I've never been in that experience, but I can only imagine, and there's only, and I know people who have, and their heart mourns for that. And so we could lie to ourselves and justification. It's okay. You know, it's my body. I have the right to do this. Um, or, you know, Satan, what he's doing is feeding us lies to pull us away from God's word that says, no, this is wrong. This is killing a life. This is something I created. Um, so the doctrines of devils and seducing spirits and hypocrisy are things that sear our conscience. They take us away. Um, they put us in avenues and social norms in the economy that we can follow that sear us from feeling the sin. We repeatedly do the sin and we stop feeling that shame and guilt. That becomes our truth. That's what we're choosing and we're rejecting God's truth. Okay. Um, Three, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer which make any bacon huh 
Yes, you can make it. Receive it with faith and with prayer. Um, so I have another one I'm putting down. Sanctify through obeying the word. Feed your mind, body, soul, and spirit with nourishing words of God. So even our mind and our spirit has an appetite. And what we feed it, it will want more of. So this is saying um, to counteract this seared conscience what you need to do to prevent that from hardening and from being soulish and from falling into ways that pull you away from God and what he wants for you and what's morally right and sensitive um, to those feelings of that moral compass is to obey the Lord and nourish yourself with his words because that's how you're going to find your direction so that one's another scripture on there if you want to read it Um, okay let's go to what happens to the next step um, of this feeding into doctrines of demons? So let's go to Romans 1. start at 18 for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness so where do they hold their truth unrighteousness Unrighteousness. but it's showing like everyone believes in something and they're choosing their perception going back to that Greek biblical definition um, of the uh, origin word um, of conscience, sundeo, sundeo, um, which means to perceive or understand or comprehend through your experiences. Okay, they are they are conditioning their own truth. Okay, through unrighteousness because they're repeatedly doing sin and those unrighteous acts. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shoot, showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So this right here is saying, you know, some people will be like, well, you know, what about the people who haven't been preached the gospel, the Gentiles and all that? Um, but God is saying he will reveal man himself to everyone. Everyone's created after his image. You have that conscience of morally what's good or right. Okay, we still have a choice to either reject it or not. And you're without excuse here. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And and that's kind of how when Eve and Adam ate the uh, apple and they wanted to go after wisdom and seek information and, you know, in academics, basically, in a way, but um, which we see a lot of people now when they get into theory, theology and all that. Um, but they became fools by seeking this and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and 
four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. So they took the truth of the gospel into God's word, what he has asked us to do, um, what our moral conscience is telling us, this is good, and they justified it with lies. They were deceived, and they deceived themselves, and they accepted that as their truth because that's what they wanted to choose. And worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their own women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly. So unseemly um, is they are working, doing sin, feeling that shame and guilt, and receiving in themselves that recom recompense, which is that penalty of their error, which was um, met. 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Not that they didn't know God. They just didn't like to retain it. Okay. And remember if we go back to the English definition of conscience. Con with science. Knowledge. With knowledge. It's what knowledge we choose to believe and make our truth. Okay. So they are choosing to reject the knowledge of Christ. The truth. The hidden mysteries of the gospel. God gave them over to a retrobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malice, whispers. Um, I'm not going to read the rest of those. We get the point. This is the retrobate mind. Okay, this is specifically God has made it himself known to you and you are choosing... Um, to go against what your conscience is, is guiding you to, that moral compass, and you're creating your own morals uh, based off of your own lust and your desires of your heart and what you want to uh, choose to be the truth. Okay, um, so we all know we all believe in something, <laughs> and we all know, and everyone, you know, I've even atheists. I mean, even though they they are really strong in their battles, educational wise, on how they can debate um, God, but still. If they choose, specifically choose, not to believe in God, they're still saying there's a God. So we all know that there is a God. Um, yeah. Okay, and then so I have some more pictures to go around. Um, this is just um, talking about the sanctification of America. So all these things that are um, conditioning people, God's children, um, to believe the deceit and the lives of the world and what Satan is trying to govern our minds and our conscience um, and searing it. So these just give examples. Um, he works a lot through our senses and um, the natural man is going to, you know, be enticed by hear, or, you know, hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, and touching um, and go by emotions and their mind um, versus the spirit of God. So those are those. Can you look at those? All right, we are going to go to Hosea 4 and 1.
Isaiah 4 and 1. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. And I want to point out in this scripture, it said, the truth is not in God. So people are believing things. There's controversies going against God of what they're believing. Um, but they have a lack of knowledge of God. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood torch, torcheth blood. Touch it, sorry. <laughs> Therefore shall the land mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish. So waste away. With the beast of the field and with the fowls of heaven, yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. So the land shall mourn. What does this remind you of? Right now, you make the connection. Our land? Yeah. Uh, in Revelation, talks about all those vials that are poured out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Think of that. That's a, that's a good point. Um, okay, it's going to keep going. Yet let no man strive, nor approve another, for the people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shall thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. Okay, God, we know that God presents us to every living creature. Um, he presents himself, so they know him, but they have rejected the knowledge of him, the information that he has uh, provided for them to know him. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me, therefore will I change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. So this is their taking pleasure in their sins. Okay, They're enjoying choosing um, wrong. Okay, Going against that moral compass that it's telling them. And there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because they have left off, they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. So they are cheating on God, basically. They are choosing to um, walk away from what God is guiding them to do. And I can only imagine how painful that is. And they are choosing things that um, they seek in the flesh versus what God wants for them. And it's hardening their hearts. It's taking away their hearts. Um, desensitizing, searing that conscience where they can't feel it. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, so lack of knowledge is really what's killing the people and um, God's going to reject the people who reject him is the main point of that um, what I wanted to bring up and that he always is providing the information and knowledge but we have a choice we have a choice to choose which direction we want to go with it um, let's go to Mark 7 and 14 and this is just going to talk a little bit how 
where sin comes from. We know the knowledge is there to choose what's right and wrong, so that can never be an excuse. But why? Why do people um, continue to go against what their conscience is telling them and their soul is telling them? And we're going to find out the heart of the problem. Do you guys get it? <laughs> I love um, so Mark 4, or 7 and 14. Mark 7 and 14. And, okay. and when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto, the, unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him. Those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, the or his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye per, or do ye not perceive? So going back to that perceive, you don't understand that whosoever or whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the drop, purging all meat. And he said, That which condemneth out of the man, or cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. So this is just leading into um, what defiles a man? His heart. His heart. Okay, it comes back to a heart attitude of what's going to truly govern, govern our conscience, um, back to God or back into a life um, of sin and being seared of our conscience. Okay. Um, let's, now we're going to get more into this uh, heart condition and how that um, affects our conscience to be good, pure, and clean. Um, but we're really going to dig into the heart. So let's go to 1 Timothy 1 and 5. 1 Timothy 1 and 5. Macedonia, 
that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Okay. Neither give heed to fables and endless gene genealogies, which we talked about earlier. The doctrines of devils are these fables, endless genealogies, doctrines that do not are not the gospel. Okay, that go away, stray you away from um, God and the truth of His hidden mysteries. Okay, which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in the faith, so do. Now, the end of the commandment is charity. Out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. So genuine faith, clear, know you are saved. Going forward, know that you're um, making the right choices that are glorifying God or within your heart, the best that you can, wherever you're at with your walk, um, you are making those choices that are right with God and the word of God. From which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. So you'll even find this in some um, sectors and churches of people um, really wanting to teach the, um, the Bible but not understanding it for themselves um, or accepting Jesus in their life as Lord and Savior and Christ living in them. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, man for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for pre Perjured persons, and perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, okay, all these things pull you away from the knowledge of God. Um, but we have a conscience, so when we hear them, we should have that alertness of if it's right or wrong, and find the scriptures and make sure we are um, paralleling them and checking it according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in um, unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding but abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all exception, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. How be it, for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might shew forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Where's this majority of the spiritual warfare taking place within us? It's in the mind. Yep, it's in the mind. The battle is in the mind. Okay, so warring a good warfare. 
holding faith and a good conscience, with some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. So this shipwreck is people who have put away the faith. They rejected that moral voice that was within them, and they go astray. And life often for them is um, they have a lot of struggles that that wouldn't be burdened on them if they stuck with the faith and stuck with Christ and what he, you know, told them to do in their mind. So it's really important to protect, since we have a, a big warfare we're doing in the mind, it's really important to be able to protect that and make sure it's governed by God. Um, so going back to... Um, What happens to meat when it's seared? Branded? Huh? Branded? It tastes what? Fur? Is that what you said? Okay. You brought but, up any possibility of any infections or any bacteria or anything? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Think about the actual um, tertiary uh, skin and DNA of what happened happening to it. What? Hardened. It's hardened. Good. It's hardened. It's damaged. damaged. Can you ever restore that? No. So when you get to seared, um, and I have this picture to kind of talk about seared that's permanently damaged, Jing, and getting to that retrobate mind. The interesting thing is, is, I mean, when I look at that, I think when you get to that point, you yourself cannot pull yourself out of that, um, sin for feeling because your conscience has been seared. But God obviously can. When our hearts have been hardened, he can pull us from anything, but you yourself can't. When you repeatedly repeatedly do something, you get you dig yourself in a hole where you don't even react to it anymore. Um, the feeling is gone, even though you know what's right versus wrong. So I just want to share that picture. Okay, let's go to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Um, let's see. I don't think so. Why? Is there something you want to share? Uh, no, we just bounced back and I said we did a lot, so I was just wondering if I should set a bookmark. You'll find it. Um, I did just in case. <laughs> Way to be prepared. Alright, Hebrews. We're going to start at one. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. So what is this saying right here? So we're going into talking about um, the perfect sacrifice of Christ, and it's talking about like the old law. But were they truly purged from their sins when they would offer uh, these vain sacrifices to God? So they kept offering, but they kept sinning, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they kept offering. It didn't change um, the heart problem. Okay. 
Uh, so we're going to talk about why it's so important uh, to have the blood of Christ and sanctification within us to be purged from those sins so that we can move forward with Christ and change our hearts to be purified. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance, again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body has thou prepared me. So yield your temple. We are supposed to be living sacrifices, living churches out there for God to use. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither has um, pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, and he may establish the second. The second what? What is being taught right now? Second law, law of spirit. Okay, law of spirit, good. So that second covenant, that second relationship, okay, that he has brought, which is by the blood of Christ. Um, And by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering um, oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting... So waiting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. I think that's in Psalm 103. Saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts. And in their minds will I write them. So with the old covenant, this wasn't happening. Okay, and people continue to sin and sin. But now that we have forgiveness for sins and sanctification process, we are able to do this where God is able to deal with the heart, which where is the issue of defiling and choosing to um, disobey what the conscience is telling you or disobey what the spirit is telling you and guiding you to do. Okay, which is going to line up with the word of God. And their sins and inequities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. This is the direct access to God through Jesus Christ. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Okay, so, um, also some other scriptures that go with this that I'm just going to read real quick that parallel to the heart. 
uh, or Hebrews 8.10, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. Um, and then, so that's that information. God's giving us that information, the godly knowledge, and taking it with a sincere heart and wanting to obey him and his word um, with the right motives and allowing him to change that within our hearts. Okay. Um, and then I have these two. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might sin not against you. Psalm 119 and 11. Uh, and then Deuteronomy 6 and 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So we should willfully want to follow the Lord and his scriptures and what he asks of us and the knowledge that he reveals to us. That should give us pleasure um, in sanctifying ourselves. So there's that. If you want to take that around. Does anybody have anything they want to add? I did notice, um, so part of the new covenant, verse mm-hmm. 17, it says, I remember their sins and all the seeds no more. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting because right before in verse 3 in Hebrews 10, it was saying that these sacrifices, they're a reminder of sins mm-hmm. every year. So it's like, they're constantly under sort of like this idea of being reminded of their yeah. sin. There wasn't like a freedom. It was sort of they're just doing it just to yeah. kind of make the payment. Yeah, and almost, that's almost torturing. You know, it's yeah. like tormenting, and then that goes back to not having a clear conscience. Like, you literally could not clear your conscience because you were continuously reminded of your sin. Versus now that we, and this is interesting because the conscience is only really talked about in the New Testament of being able to have that access to purify and clear our mind from our past sins. Um, we didn't have that access before and it's because of the blood um, being able to wash us away. But, yeah, that's a great point. Anything else you want to add? No, that was it. I just okay. thought it was cool that we're free from that, that burden yeah. of being reminded all the time that that payment's been made. Yeah. Uh, so the Holy Ghost will also let us know when things that we go through are not right. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm glad you started out with the conscience. You know, because as we talked about, the Holy Ghost is the soul, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, we were talking about driven by the Spirit. But one thing the Spirit does do is we do have the law of liberty. Mm-hmm. And the Bible tells us not to make that law of liberty as occasion to the flesh because it can lead us off track. You yeah. know, so that's that's very true that, you know, that when God frees us from things, he doesn't even remember it anymore. You know, yeah. he wants to keep us going forward, but the Holy Ghost will govern and make us sensitive to mm-hmm. the things that we do, you know, and, and one thing I'm learning that he's showing me that I was talking about this week was, you know, there were, I think, what was it, five or six times the Lord told me to do something and I didn't do it, and I mean, you know, my conscience mm-hmm. began to hurt mm-hmm. more and more, and what I'm recognizing is the things that he made me aware of, I was doing beforehand but he never made me aware of them at that time. But as we start to grow with him and learn more, it's almost like he'll tell you that past last year, yeah. but this year I'm bringing you unto greater or, or more understanding that that has to go to. Yeah. So, you know, sanctification, like you were talking about tonight, yeah. I'm glad it's a process. Mm-hmm. We continuously go forward with becoming more and more sensitive to the spirit. Yeah. Great teaching. And I love that you said that. Um, <laughs> There's so much to do with the conscience that I couldn't even begin to cover, like, tonight that I wanted to get into, but they, the Bible also talks kind of, like, about a weak conscience in 1 Corinthians 8, and when I was studying that, it reminded me of, remember, and this is when I was a babe in Christ, um, 
like God just showed me and taught me through this study um, when you said like feeling drunk in the spirit and it really offended me and uh, the Lord just uh, brought that back to me as I was studying this as I was very hypersensitive to things because obviously I just got pulled out of the world um, and that was something I'm like how could you even relate the Holy Spirit to at all making you drunk like I was just like super but that's a weak conscience because in faith I should know that's not what the motives were your heart what you were saying you know and what um what you were tr- the message you were trying to portray with um, well, saying that just letting the Holy Spirit yeah right. take even over. Jeremiah um <laughs> talked about that he was like a drunken man being yeah. led by the spirit while he had fear all around him yeah. but you know one good thing that I'm learning and like I said a friend of mine told me a few years ago and I'm sorry I didn't listen to them sooner <laughs> but they talked about having a transparent ministry talking about your faults, things that you do, things that you want to break free of, these things set us free. I know in front of church and everybody, it just looks like everybody's perfect, no one has any problems, no one does anything, but you know what? It is good to get some things off your chest, to be able to discuss, to have people pray for you, because, you know, that removes a lot of seeds as well, where we feel like we've got to be perfect and stoic and everything else. So he's working on me, and you know what? Praise the Lord. Some things cut really deep, but yeah. I love him for it because without it, we can't grow. Mm-hmm. You know. Totally true. Um, okay, let's go to um, Ezekiel thirty-six and twenty-six. process, 
he can make our heart flesh again. He can make it soft. He can make it pure. He can make it um, soft and good and have that uh, purification to our heart. Okay, and this is receiving Jesus Christ. And I believe when you decide to have Jesus as your Lord and become saved, you really, it's, it's an inward um, accepting him and inviting him into your heart to clean out your heart. And I mean, you can literally, like, I just remember, like, first time I did it, just I could feel this overwhelming um, presence and spirit. Just, like, it's not, it wasn't aching as in pain, but it was, like, it was getting in there and breaking things apart. Um, and this process continues. It's still now I will start, like, breaking down about something that he reveals to me. Um, and he continues to soften our heart. It doesn't just happen like this. And, you know, when I became a babe in Christ, I probably thought I had it all right just because I got rid of some things in my life. Um, like, yes, I got it. I'm on my way. And then as I continue to walk with him, he continues to humble me and show me how much more I have to grow. And if you think about purifying and pouring water and pouring his spirit into us, um, when you're making your heart softer, okay, it's absorbing. It's like a sponge. It's like clay that's being able to uh, mold or dare to use the word butter. Um, soft like butter Um, and that's what the spirit and the oil anointing oil does Um, if you have a hardened heart if it's stone it's just going to pour right off it's not going to soak and go into the deep crevices that need to be changed it's not going to be able to absorb into your heart so those are so really just encourage you really receive if you haven't and you're listening um, receive God into your heart Um, ask him in prayer repent sins and he will sanctify you and move you forward um, with him and it won't happen all at once so don't get discouraged and believe the lies of the enemy because he will try to do that on your walk as soon as you accept Jesus he's going to throw an attack at you to try and distract you some lies whatever it is um, to keep you from um, moving forward with him serving him faithfully okay so yeah uh, go for it when you were describing I just the picture came into my head of just like um, even better than like something refurbished, you know, like refurbished to something damaged and then they fix it and give mm. it back and make it like new, you know. And then this verse is telling us that he'll give us a brand new heart, you know. Mm. So it's like at the start, you just starting to kind of try to purify your, you know, just turn away from your ways and like do real repentance. Yeah. And then eventually it'll get to a point where God's like, yeah, I see that you're serious, you know. And then I just imagine him transplanting this like, like, this heart of his inside and then continually watching washing it and then you 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 know like our spirits our responsibility like us getting nourished and stuff like that and God literally enlarging that heart that he gave us you know Mm -hmm. that brand new one that's Mm -hmm. a completely new nature that's um awesome and when you were talking about that I was thinking about the new heart relating to the new man and um, Christ being built in us and the new creature. You are literally a new person when you become saved, when you accept God in your You do not go, you don't have the same desires for the old ways of your life. You walk away from them. Um, your appetite changes. Um, your um, your mood changes. How you treat people changes. I mean, you just completely 360 into a different person. So, um, and also I was going to add, it's like, you know, it's going to take away the stony heart out of your flesh. That sounds very painful. So it's not like it's going to be an easy process. Yeah. It's going to be like, I mean, you're going to go through yeah. some pain. You're going to like, yeah. really, it's like, am I really doing this? And it's, yeah, you're really doing this. But yeah. if you really if you really want to do it, you'll do it. And, 
and then we get a new heart. So that's so right. yeah. <laughs> that that like fruit of the spirit of the long suffering. It's like he has to break through that right. stone. You know, that's a thick layer of seer. You know, um, that's on there, and it's it's he has the power to do it, and only God, no preacher, no nothing. Only God has the power to do it. But um, it's still a process, and it's not always going to be. Um, you know, roses and uh, daisies and fantasies, it's gonna, it might hurt a little bit, but that helps you grow, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, through those trials, you go closer to him, and he uh, draws near to you, and then he's able to break you down, but then restore you with that new heart. That's the building back of the protein, exercising in your heart and your faith. That regrowth. And speaking of just drunk in the spirit, you know, like that new wineskin that we get, mm-hmm. like our old us can't handle spirit at all, you know, so what it, what's the verse that talks about us not putting new wine in the old bottles, because yeah. the yeah. verse, yeah. you gotta put yeah. it, Nothing that we could do about it. Jesus is the great physician, you know. But if we yield to the process, He can work on us a lot faster, like you're saying. Totally. And, and it's like the title of the song. <laughs> he's jumping off the table, the operating table, you know, and He's got to chase you down. It's like, you know, you gotta catch yourself. Yeah. <laughs> what I just thought of is, um, you know, the wages of sin are death. And continue to sear our conscience um, we are decaying our body and our health and not only spiritually, mentally physically um, but when we ex- emotionally, but when we accept uh, God and he replaces that, he replaces our health, he replaces our spirit he replaces all that, that great position just completely in a whole new way um, mm-hmm. replaces that death with life in Jesus Christ So we're going to uh, go talk more about God's word and how um, how important it is for us to uh, guide our conscience and basically have the knowledge of God to make sure that we are living a life of um, that pleases him. So we're going to start at Hebrews 4 and 6. scriptures that combine like the word of God and the heart and um, and then like talk about the thoughts and the mind together I never really noticed until doing the study but they just connect and so I think there's definitely a message that um, God wants us to know and understand about this and seek because um, we're going to be dealing with it in um, spiritual battle in our minds consistently and having the tools to be able to seek God and ask him to replace our heart um, and purify it so that we can uh, make the right 
choices that please him. So we are at Hebrews 4 and 6. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, pardon not your hearts. Real quick point here. Um, God made it um, obvious that we all have access to the knowledge of God, and he reveals himself to us. So we all do at some point hear his voice. We know he's God. Um, but he's saying, don't harden your hearts towards that. You know, if he's correcting you, if he's convicting you, the Holy Spirit's convicting you, um, be blessed for that discipline. Be thankful for that discipline. Be excited because now you are going to prevent yourself from going astray, which is going to cause a whole bunch of sin and death and emotional baggage and pain and suffering that you don't want and in the mind and the heart. So eight, for if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that is entered into his rest, he also has um, seized from his own works as God did from, from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Let any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So, um, least, least any man, thank you. Um, um, 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Okay. I just wanted to make the point that, um, you know, God's word will cut through right to your soul and tell you um, what's, and lead you what's right and what's wrong. And that's why we are supposed to live by the word of God. Um, and then it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. So it will expose to you if you have any ill motives in your heart. And it will also reveal to you if you are on track of what, what God's word is for you. Um, so that's why it's really important for this word. But the word has to live in our heart. It has to be written in our heart. It can't be just something that we recite and we preach and we can say back scriptures and memorize them. But don't have that relationship or live them out and be examples in our life. Um, they won't mean anything to us unless that sanctification process has happened in our hearts um okay we're gonna go to um, proverbs one nope proverbs three and one proverbs three and one something else that i wanted to add to um just reading this verse with well, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, mm -hmm. even piercing all the way to the dividing center, soul, spirit, joints, marrow, and as a discerner of the hearts and the intentions. So, like, I just think about it, too. Um, at work, they tell us to constantly change our blades, you know, just in case you slip. And if you cut yourself, if you get a clean cut, it's going to heal a lot better, you know. And just like people that do surgery and things like that, they use such a sharp scalpel yeah. to be able to 
literally that can cut through time, space, spirit, like everything, you know, like literally, right? I don't know. The the closest like natural thing I can think of is like a lightsaber, you know, but like that's the closest, but the spirit's way deeper than that, you know. And like carving out the heart and literally just like replacing, you know. It's interesting how science has been in like trying to cut molecules and it's really really impossible. So spirit because like you mentioned earlier the sutikos, the natural man your senses, mm-hmm. we're not supposed to be governed by those, we should be governed by the spirit so God needs to cut around that and make a little division yeah. you know, that he can govern the body and not your flesh like yeah. you were talking about cut it out, circumcise yeah. it, circumcise the heart yeah. Yeah. Um, that's cool. true because in even you know the spiritual battle that's going on in our mind if we're in our flesh too much um, we're not getting realigned with the Word of God um, and studying ourselves approved. Um, we will compromise things and beliefs and be confused and let um, perverse thoughts come into our mind of what other people believe is good uh, as our truth. And so that's why it's so important that we continue to use the Bible and the scriptures as um, our truth and that we hold firm onto that and stay rooted into that um, so that we don't go astray and get confused. What's awesome too about that is that God already warns us of those things mm-hmm. to beware of them because mm-hmm. there were people already in His day, and it was from the beginning mm-hmm. that was happening. Yeah. So He gives us that knowledge to say, "Hey, if it sounds like this, don't go that direction. Stay consciously in My Word to understand what the truth is to be governed by the Holy Spirit." Yeah, and it's interesting. There's been many times, in, I know personally in my life, where I I have that like kind of like that argument in my mind or torment between thoughts of what's going on and immediately when I seek God in prayer or um, usually it's more clear though when I get into scriptures because it's I mean it's right there like he just shows it you know there's no arguing with it in your own mind Um, when I get into the scriptures he literally does that cutting through to the soul and gives me understanding um, clarification um, and then that peace and his spirit just comes upon you so you know that this is God's will and direction so, anybody else want to add anything before we move on? Okay, so building on that, we're going to go Proverbs 3 and 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. And just, we're in the Old Testament right now, but really it's the new commandments, which is to love thy God um, with all thy heart, thy soul, and thine might. Um, and then also love thy neighbor as thyself. Um, so, just keep that in mind. That covers everything. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Wear your... Oh, that's, this is my notes. Just kidding. So that, <laughs> um, so wear your faith with honor. I want to add that on there. Um, when you're writing it on your heart. Um, okay, be, be bold with what you when you are fellowshipping with people, with non-believers and stuff because they need that example um, and love them the way that God would love them as well um, show that fruit so going to four, 
so shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Okay, so Eve, back in the garden, she leaned on her own understanding. She saw those lies and like, oh, let's just test it out. I'll be okay. Well, that how'd that work out for Eve? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, trust not on your own understanding. Okay. Seek the word. Trust God. <laughs> okay. Six. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So that fear is really important. When you are, when your conscience is telling you something that's good, evil. I mean, because it's obviously sensing at you um, in your soul or Holy Spirit's um, there as well guiding you. Um, fearing the Lord sometimes and praying for that fear of the Lord um, will help you to make the right decision to choose God. So um, don't take that lack. Um, because I know, for me, that has helped save me from making bad choices very often. Um, be not wise in thine own eyes. Uh, fear the Lord. Depart from evil said that. Um, eight. It shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. Okay, so this makes you strong. Honor the Lord with thy substance. Everything you have, your whole body. And with the first fruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. New wine skins, Carlin. Um, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Okay? He corrects his kids because he loves you. Um, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, son, in whom um, he delighteth. That's the thing. We want his correction. You know, I got no problem with the Lord correcting me and saying things to me that I need to hear. I mean, it's only going to benefit you in the end. But like, you know, you talked about tonight, the reprobate mind. Yeah. When you don't hear from the Lord, that's the time to that's worry. scary, yeah. You know, because as long as he's the shepherd that's on you, you know, he's guiding you as you go. But like mm -hmm. you said, when that conscience is seared, when you don't want to hear the truth anymore, when you don't even want anything to do with it, or you feel like it's a burden to you, man, that's the time to worry yeah. because something is happening to you. And like you were talking about tonight, it's your heart. Mm -hmm. And also I think of the example too, like when they say when you don't want to go to church, that's just like proof that you need it the most. <laughs> like you need to go. Yeah, when you start to not desire God, um, that's that's a, a checkpoint right there in your heart, like a little test. Like um, self-reflect on that. Be aware of that. And um that's when you need to go more because you are drawing away from him and his word. All right, let's go to, we're going to um, start to wrap this up and we're going to end at um, tailoring it back to the mind. Um, let's go to 2 Corinthians 10 and 1. on this um, 
we're going to talk a little bit more about um, our weapons of warfare and how the mind, how we defeat the enemy um, through our mind and it becoming obedient to Christ. So 10 and 1. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness, bless you, of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down every imagination and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Okay? So things that want us to have a perverse spirit and perverse mind and draw us away from God and go towards that seared conscience, okay, are going to go against the knowledge of God. Okay? It's going to steer that conscience. And bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So how do we bring every captivity, every thought captivity in obedience to Christ? How do we do that? Yep, execute that flesh, right? We talked about the flesh. What else? Obedience and just surrendering. It's a total surrender. Um, what? What would be an act of faith of surrendering to God? What would that? Give me an example. Uh, well, fasting. Fasting is one. Yeah, that's one way of worshiping God and kind of like when you hear that itself. voice, you're doing something. You hear the voice, and it's just like Derek is saying, you know, it's like <laughs> ignored it. I ignore it. You know, it's like that's that's what it happens. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. That's the point where you just have to choose the right one. And, and yeah. really, at first it hurts. It's like, you know, your heart's being like ripped out. It's yeah. like, ah, I want the whole heart back. No, you know. Yeah. So you recognize that, that pain, that right. shame and guilt from you not listening or recognizing what you have done, your, um, how you've hurt God and you're not being obedient. And then you surrender that, your mission of your sin or whatever God is um, guiding you to. You have to surrender that, give it up to God prayer actually ask for that forgiveness that sanctification process where the blood can come through and uh, make it right with you so you can move forward with Christ okay so doing that consistently with God is going to free your mind from those sins okay we talked about how we can only be free from those sins through the sanctification process so in your mind that is how we do it so what are some weapons of warfare that help protect our mind and our heart Bible that's one. Yes, the word of God will direct us, right? Give us our instruction. Prayer. Prayer. Good. What else? Weapons of warfare. That's the armor right there. The armor, yeah. Yep. Your main weapon is your sword. Yep. So this, yes, I'm so happy you put this up tonight. Um, faith. And then specifically the two weapons or armor that um, we have kind of been talking about tonight is going to be the helmet of salvation that protects the mind, which is that sanctification, mm-hmm. okay? And then, yeah, 
Say it. The breastplate of righteousness. Yes, the breastplate of righteousness. And that goes okay. right over the heart. Right, protecting that heart so it's not yeah. defiled. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeking those things will really help you to grow closer to God, to surrender to God, to obey Him, and you find out those things and what pleases God through His Word, um, and continuing to self-reflect on what's you know morally right or wrong according to God's laws, not our own, not our own thoughts, not the world's, not the flesh's, but always go back as the Word of God is um, your anchor. It is what should drive you, it should, what should lead you, um, and continue to help you grow. Um, that's really all I have. Um, well, actually, I wanted to bring one more example up. I'm not going to go to scripture, but in uh, in Isaiah 61 and 3, it talks about um, the spirit of heaviness on us. And that spirit of heaviness is the fiery darts from Satan, the lies, the doubt, the unbelief, trying to come in and suppress our mind and our spirit and our body, okay? And um, that is a symptom, that depression, that heaviness, that is not of God, okay? So when we're feeling that, we know we don't have our armor on. Um, if we're feeling lonely or things that are out of the spirit, out of the fruit of God, um, recognizing that. And then, you know, in Isaiah 61 and 3, it talked about the garment of praise, um, which the garment of praise is our garment that covers our heart. Um, but then it says it is a tree of righteousness. So it covers yourself. And it grows fruit. And it grows fruit, yeah. So um, that's another tool to praise and worship to alleviate um, the battles and the torment that the enemy tries to fight in your mind and surrender it up to God as well. So. I had a question awesome. earlier. Yeah. That said, uh, what do we do? How do we purify our hearts? How do we purify our hearts? Yes. Um, so, I mean, we just kind of talked about it. Surrendering to God, recognizing when he uh, pricks our heart, when he corrects us and through the word of God also helps purify us, but remission of sins is a big one. That's that sanctification process. So we are free in our liberty of not having to continually go back to it. Um, that's going to add purifying to our hearts, but then also continuing to um, seek him and grow with him in our walk um, through the word of God. Kind of connect. Anything else you guys want to add? I think, I think in addition, So it's a 24 
think while you're sleeping. <laughs> Can't sleep while you're sleeping. Jesus' name ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Also, um, to add on to that, in Romans 2, um, it talks about conscience um, is a witness to evidence of our hearts and motives according to the gospel. And then in 9, it, 9-1, our conscience bears witness by the Holy Ghost. Um, so just to piggyback on that, um, the Holy Ghost will sometimes have to reveal to us, you know, this spirit's not right in our conscience of what's good and bad, and he helps aid a lot. And it was interesting because in my studies, I got into, okay, well, what's the difference between the Holy Ghost and, um, and conscience? Because sometimes they can easily be confused um, with each other, but that is a whole other, like, study <laughs> um, to get into. Um, but it's just interesting um, how our conscience bears witness by the Holy Ghost. Our Holy Ghost will help reveal those things to us. So would you say that the conscience then is a part of the mind or is it a part of the heart? Um, it's the oh, I mean, it's... it's the because well, the mind is in the soul. Remember what you read uh, yeah. about the soul. The soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. So, you know, um, but the Holy Ghost works it, you know, because before the Holy Ghost, we don't really have one like that. We might know some things are morally wrong, but we don't know why, you know? Mm -hmm. But the Holy Ghost will bring things to our remembrance. So I believe the soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. Yeah. But, you know, that's your conscience that the Holy Ghost works, I believe. Yeah, they are all connected. Like, you can't separate them. Um, it's interesting, though, in the Old Testament, um, the word for conscience is actually um, uh, heart, which is translated to mind. So, just interesting how they're directly uh, connected in that way. Um, what the other verse was about the how everything that comes out of a man's heart is that what defiles him. So, it's like... Mm -hmm. Really, it's it can be your conscience in there. It's hard. It's hard. It's it's your nature at that yeah. point. So your nature comes out of your heart, but part of our nature though mind. can be conditioned by our choices, what we choose to either choose. Right, so your mind's got to tell your heart to do something. And what is your heart? <laughs> I mean, your heart is your will. Yeah. It's just like you know, in boxing, I used to get knocked around. What makes you get back up is your heart. It's your will. If you don't want to suffer or go through it again, you'll lay right where you are. But I'm just saying, you know, the heart was always mentioned. He's got the heart to do this. He's got the heart to love. He's got the heart for prayer. So, you know, it is your will that is in your heart. Yeah. So you're saying that your, your mind's telling you to just stay down by your to get back up? Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, you just feel like, hey, I'm not going to go any you further. Get beat up? Even within ministry, the blows that you take, the things that you get, Lord, why do I even bother? But then there's that heart, like Jeremiah said, like fire in my bones, where you just can't be quiet. No, I'm not going to give up. This is what the Lord called me to do. This is what I'm going to do. And you, you know, it's, it's definitely your heart. It's your heart for the Lord. It's your heart for people. But it is your will at the same time. You know, the will to do things. That's why Jesus commands us to love. Because it's your heart engaged. It's your will. But how do you command to love if it's a feeling? It's not a feeling. Exactly. Exactly. It's your will. I command you to love. How do you command to love? <laughs> it's wrong when you follow God's will. What happens? It becomes a part of your nature. Yeah. I believe the heart that, that defiles a man is the heart 
heart that defiles a man. Yeah, the old heart, the heart, the defiled heart, yeah. Yeah, the hardened heart. But the heart itself, man, it, you're absolutely right. But it, it, just, it just goes through fights. The heart goes through things at times. Cause I, hey, I'm, I'm going to confess something to you guys right now, okay, about me, just so I can make this understandable. <laughs> but, you know, there was a time, huh? I bought that little Nintendo thing down there, okay? That, um, one left one on the right. The old one. Oh, well, I know, there are two of them are broken. But the thing is, is like, I bought that thing down there, and, you know, like for at least one hour out of the day when I first got it, well, yeah, let me end Super Mario. Let me do whatever. After all, there's no cursing in it, there's no anything. One hour turned into two. I mean, this is what happens week after week. Two turn into four. You know, people call me, hey, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. I'm not doing a thing. But you're sitting there trying to beat that game. Do you know a few days ago, I came to myself and the Lord actually said to me, hey, I hope you realize what's happening to you. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I do. And I got down and prayed, Lord, help take away my desire for this stuff. This ain't right. You know what he did? Took it away. The last few days, I've been in the word feeling refreshed, feeling better. So I know that even though my heart is for the Lord, if I'm not careful, other things can go into, what does the Bible say? Guard your heart with what? All diligence. Because out of it flows what? The issues of life. So you've got to guard your heart. That's in Proverbs. Yeah. Guard your Proverbs heart with four, all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. So you've got to constantly be up on this thing. Even though it's, it's focused towards God right now. But where will it be tomorrow if we don't stay within the confines of Christ? And you know what? That's a sin. I'm confessing, and the Lord made it very clear to me, this will take your heart away from me. Even little innocent Mario, or whoever's <laughs> doing whatever, it can still get control of your mind. Because while you're playing, you're also engaging. And what's happened? It's coming into you. The excitement, the adventure, the things that you want for it. And, it, hey, that's what happened to me. I mean, it just started so innocent. And then all of a sudden, I'm Nintendo... You know, minister. <laughs> it came apart where I'm just like, I can't, man. I can't. I got to put those things back in the box or throw them out or whatever, but it's destroying me. You know, it's something so those. subtle. Huh? You feel like Bible verses in those every time you reach a new level after you read a scripture. Just to show you how the enemy... <laughs> Just to show you how the enemy can work, you guys remember about a year and a half ago, I did a teaching on video games. <laughs> but you see, the devil knew. Yep. The devil knew, okay, we did a teaching on video games because you know all the violence is out there. So let me bring you back home, back to Mario when you were 10, when it was innocent. <laughs> see, the devil will throw out any flavor you want. And I took the bait, but now I'm off of it. So it's, you know, whatever. So. Yeah, no problems. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for this scripture too, um, and then I think I was in the restroom and I heard Sam saying like, uh, "How do you purify your hands?" And like, I was literally looking for this scripture, but it's like. Um, I'll just start at James 4 and 7. It says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So it's interesting because he tells us to do it, right? Um, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Um, 
So it's interesting too because there's a whole bunch of different times to do different things, you know, and sometimes you do feel that heaviness and like that's why we really do need to be clean and pure and like have that Holy Spirit speaking to us so we can discern between our conscience and like what God says and what our thoughts says, what our mind, will, emotions say and all that. And that way you know, okay, God, where is this heaviness coming from? Or, you know, um, why am I feeling these things? Why am I tempted here? Blah, blah, blah. All right. And it says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So really it's submitting to God to be able to do this. Like you can't, you can't do it. And by you choosing to submit to God, that is like, even if you're doing it in your own will, which it should be because God doesn't force you to do, but you know, it's not like God told me to give this up, you know, but you doing it out of your heart, you know, like then that's you still following God's way. If that's God's way, you know. All right, but it says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. So you're not God, right? There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? But yeah. All right, that has nothing to do with what I want to share with you guys today. But. <laughs> So, great study tonight, by the way, Christina. Thank you, Jesus, for giving that to Christina. Um, so I just kind of wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about, actually, um, genetics. Like, I'm not here to tell you about, you know, science. It's not a science lesson, you know, but it's just where this doctrine can lead if everybody hops on board with this doctrine. And I had notes, but they're not here. So, um, yeah, Lord, help me out. <laughs> so, um, uh, do people know what a genome is? Does anybody? Yeah. So, just in case people don't, I'm just going to say, um, it's basically mapping out genes on a chromosome. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what it is. Mm -hmm. And it's for, um, I mean, you can do it for whatever species you want, but typically you're talking about the hu human genome. And have we ever heard of the Human Genome Project? Project. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So essentially, like what they're trying to do is map out every single gene possibility. And there's like 75,000 75, um, like different genes all on the chromosomes that, you know, science says that, you know, that are known, you know, but we don't, we haven't mapped them all out yet. Like I think they've mapped around like 3,000 of them, but essentially the whole point of it is to be able to see like different types of disorders like um they can literally look at like our dna you know and map these things out and look at okay this is where this genetic disorder is coming from this is where this genetic disorder is coming from so i was just thinking about that okay um and then yeah so right when you told me to um not you didn't tell me but you told us you had us go into Genesis and just even talking about eating the fruit, you know, from the tree and the knowledge of good and evil and you'll, will be as gods, you know, and that's a, like instantly like what popped up in my mind, you know, like, um, so here's the thing. This is where this stuff is dangerous, you know, because people are like, okay, you can look at this, map out somebody's chromosomes, look and like, hey, if you don't get on this diet, then you could potentially have some kind of heart issue or something like that, you know. And, okay, that's all good and well and everything, I guess, for people who don't know God, right? But that, 
that stuff is a temporary fix, right? Like that type of healing is only only temporary. From the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> and that that is the least of your problems, for sure. Um, but so, looking at these things, okay, um, pushing forwards, you know. So people can literally go. Couples that are married or not married that want to have a kid, you know, they go, okay, hey, God, um, you know, people who don't know God aren't going to go to God, right? But people who know God are going to go to God in faith and what, be fruitful and multiply like we're called to do, right? But other people are going to go to this geneticist and be like, hey, um, here's some of my blood. I want you to map out all my chromosomes and let me know if us having a kid together is going to have some kind of illness or anything like that, you know, and in a way, right, and in a way that potentially blocks God's plan or purpose or, you know, yeah. what was that, yielding to the process, you know, that completely takes that out of God's hands, and you put that in the hands of man, like, directly, you know, like, that is God to you in that moment, no matter how you look at that, you know, um, so I was just thinking about that, and too, and they're talking about potentially pushing forwards and I know you guys have probably heard of like splicing and things like that transhumanism and all yeah and and literally putting like uh, genes inside of cells to correct Mm -hmm. disorders you know and so that's a lot of power um, in my in my understanding of what it means to be someone that follows God and trusting him that sounds like a lot of power for you to not have to rely on God but just go to somebody to get any kind of ailment that you have fixed, you know? Like Satan going through the back door uh, of hearing God's voice and how he has to steal and give you those gifts through the wrong way, through the wrong avenue, wrong spirit. Mm-hmm. Instead of believing God, you know, they're also working on that triple helix, you know, so anything that they want to do with you genetically, I'd be real skeptical yeah. because... You know, God is a geneticist as well. That's why it's from mm-hmm. Genesis to Revelation. Mm-hmm. He said, if you follow me in the process of regeneration, mm-hmm. being born again, God makes you over. You know, because there is something wrong with ourselves. You're right, bro. Do you think the three-chord strand has anything to do with that? Like being, because um, our chromosomes are, are uh, being have two helix, double mm-hmm. helix. I mean, I don't know how I've always envisioned it is God being the third. Like, God the spirit, but that that third helix is going to be not man. Well, I'm talking about like spiritually, not carnally. Not I'm talking about like being born again and saved um, and having God inside you. Because well, you're a yeah, new creation. Yeah, God regenerates yeah. what He built. Absolutely. So it's almost like mm-hmm. they're trying to regenerate that falsely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that In some ways, they're playing God. That's yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly right. They're playing God. They're so I think about it like this. So um, yeah. So genetics. You know, people can map these things out, look at it, and we know through certain things like hair loss, things like that, are linked to certain certain genes or alleles on on chromosomes. You know. Or you know, so, oh. so um, and we know and we know those things, right? So um, and in that aspect. I just think about um, what God has done through me, through this process of me 
losing my hair. Like, when it first happened, I seriously was like, it killed me. It was like, I mean, I literally might as well have been dead, you know, like when it first happened. And I kind of was, you know. And the thing is, like, people can do these things like transplants and, like, people are still laughing. I'm, like, sharing my heart with people laughing at I'm not speaking because I'm on my way. I'm just making the point. Right. I'm, I'm totally over it. Stop laughing at me. That's just a hair thing. You're like, my grades and gave some hair, but you might have an extra foot, too. <laughs> so thing is like that me having to lean on God and just like get over that issue as small as it seems you know like it like this doesn't affect my health in any way you know like me losing my hair that doesn't affect my health you know like I'm totally healthy and fine regardless of that but even still how much God had to do through me to get me just over that small hump you know and then people that are going to be like you know they lose these things and then um like whatever happens, you know, like whatever kind of genetic disorder you've inherited or whether it's hair or whatever, like something deeper than that, um, without having to go through that trial of getting over that, you're going to continually soften people, you know, and people are going to start to become more and more artificial, you know, like you're not going to have to worry about literally anything, and where is God in that? God isn't there when you, you don't have to lean on him to get healed, you just go to the you know, doctors to just, you know, we'll do whatever you want inside here, you know, like put new genes inside of me from a reptile or something like that. Like, that's not God. That's like forcing evolution, you know what I mean? And <clears throat> just the trials that we go through in God, like, it's interesting to me because, you know, there's days that I know, like, it's like, God, you can do literally anything. Like, why won't you just restore this for me? Why won't you do this for me? You know, is that me? Like, is that my sin? Or or what why aren't you why aren't you doing that but that's like that right there is so just carnal for me to have to worry about things like that anyways you know and so i think about um things like cancer and things like that and god can literally heal that stuff like he he can there's nothing above god so why are we running to people like that that have literally messed with the the tree essentially you know and, and going to them and going to Satan to have this counterfeit healing that has no miracle, no story, no testimony, no power behind it at all, you know? Um, yeah. Let alone all the symptoms that can happen and side effects from those things. So you are putting your life at risk anyways to try and get a benefit, but you could be making it worse in the long run. And if you alter your genetics in any way, even if it's by a percent or two, you're no longer human. You're no longer the creation that God made. And that's what the devil is banking on. That's what he's looking for. And there's there's no variability in that. Everyone becomes normal. Everyone becomes the exact same, you know, when you run to that. Nobody's story is different. Um so the other thing, too, that we read about was endless genealogies, and I just literally thought of that, like, that just, like, exploded in my mind hearing that, like, endless genealogies, of course, like, that could be ancestry and things like that, still genetics, you know, like, tracking that stuff down, and people like, here, like, go into my blood, look, look where, where I'm from, you know, like, find this out, like, who are you trusting to do this, and what is proven that that is actually what it is, you know what I mean, like, God is the one, you, you came from God, sorry, guys, I'm like, 
on this thing. But um, anyways, so thinking about DNA replication, you talking about like those strands and everything like that. DNA, literally, for DNA to be replicated, every new DNA strands has the strand of the original. You know, they're, they're, mm-hmm. you can't get around that. Cells come from other cells. Something had to have started, you know, and we know who it was. It was these people that we talked about today, this couple, Adam and Eve. That's where all of our cells came from. Um, Alright, there's something in First Timothy. This is not my study guide, I'm sorry. I mean, it is, obviously. Amen. First Timothy and four. We already read it today, but there's something in it. Uh, for every creature of God is good. Am I in the right place? First Timothy four. That's what I told you, right? All right. Oh, yeah, for huh? Four and one. Four four. Four four. Oh, sorry. Okay. One and four. That's what's going on. One and four. Yeah. Alright, so neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, mm-hmm. so do. So, what we're talking about today, right, is that literally the exact opposite of where this project is going. That is completely the opposite of that. You are actually going into these fables and genealogies, ministering questions that we can't answer because we're not God. Whereas, lowercase gods, that's what it said. I mean, not. I don't want to be part of that, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Um, so it says, now the end of the commandments is charity out of a pure heart, of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. So all of this stuff, charity and love, and a good conscience of faith unfeigned, you genetically modifying yourself, like what Derek says, you no longer have that human aspect in you. You literally changed yourself into something else. Like you're beast now, almost. Forgive me. Um, <clears throat> but for We're all kind of change like that from birth because they get vaccines. So it's like who knows what they develop and then how it changes because some of us can have different disorders from those vaccines. Because you know you can't give the same vaccine to everybody. They're all different. Yeah. So you know, and then once you go from that, it's how you goes into the you know all the uh, pharmaceuticals, and of course they have to make money off of you. So then uh, it just kind of keeps going. So then where do you go from there? You go to your doctor. Yeah, he's God, right? <laughs> yeah, and to mention what Carlin and Christina were talking about, too, is I believe that lots of kids are injected with these things, right. but it doesn't get all of them. I believe God protects some kids out of the womb if you're a prayerful family, you know, or you're someone. Because, I mean, who's to say they didn't poke on all of us, you know, that we don't even know about? But God made sure that we didn't get it, you know? But there are people that do have it, but... You know, God talks about preserving families or believing families, so mm-hmm. we just got to stay prayerful, you know, that weapon. But it's true. They inject them right out of the womb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and um, so faith unfeigned. And it's interesting just thinking, you know, because, of course, I mean, doctors are in place, you know. Um, it's not to just, like, tell you to stay away from doctors and, like, all doctors are evil and things like yeah, that. Like, yeah, right. Um, we've looked, I mean, there's things that, I mean, we look at and they consistently kind of show those results, you know. But, like, um, what does a man really know 
in their wisdom, you know, like we see these things with our eyes. This isn't something like spiritually that we're seeing, you know, it's like things that we, we look at, make a hypothesis and the, those traits kind of show up, you know, but just like the nature of just this whole place, there's always exceptions, you know what I mean? Like you can never get to a point where you just like, oh, um, this is going to happen. This is going to happen until you let science literally delude our genome and like change our genome as a species and then maybe you can start pinpointing things like that but that's literally playing God and like this is like obviously where this is going towards right yeah and you're beginning to go back to even relate it to the study with the conscience you are the science and man is becoming your truth and becoming the knowledge that you follow and your God um, so that becomes like conscience is what morally decide your decisions yeah. believing in this versus God so it takes away your faith and I was super surprised too um, I don't know just like um, you talked about how you know the Pharisees went and just like wanted to stone the woman you know and then I was even surprised at the end to be like they felt shameful you know like that's actually a good thing you know like that they felt that shame like once you stop feeling that shame is when you need to worry but the thing is these are steps and every time you compromise with these steps it steers you a little bit more and a little bit more so um i also thought too like teaching and not knowing um we talked about that like teaching and not knowing so teaching these doctrines which is I mean, science, you know, it's not necessarily glorifying God. Like, you have to know God to see God in this, you know, or else you're completely listening and bound by this doctrine that people accept everywhere as science and, you know, whatever, like medical, genetics, whatever it is, you know, that's that's like the doctrine that you, you stick to. All right, so, um, but it says the only wise God. So we have to start thinking about the things that we know, regardless of if it's what we see, you know, things that we think that are proven or whatever, we still don't know anything. We only know in part, and anything that we know that's in part is going to pass away. All right, so, all right. So, sorry for that picture. So, I was looking at this, um, and this heart thing, literally looks like chromosomes laid out over this, you know, over this heart. And I thought about it, it got me thinking, um, I don't know, we talked about Proverbs and, you know, it says write the tables on your heart, you know, or write the word on the tables of your heart, essentially, right? And um, I just think about that. Um, you holding true to this word is going to start to change you and that's you keeping those things and you writing those on the table of your heart is you constantly meditating on this stuff you know filling yourself like up with this this is what the true new wine is and you sitting there like um constantly filling yourself up with that that's going to change your genetics it's literally going to change you like this spirit that can pierce all the way through everything that we know in his spirit so another thing too that it brought to my remembrance is just like how um 
how important spirit, how important this word is. Because this word of God, this living word of God is spirit, is truth. So words, writing those writing those words on your heart is writing spirit, you know, that's that's changing you. That's like aligning with you. And that's essentially like what our DNA does. It makes it makes a code for specific things to be expressed, specific traits to be expressed. And this is what God does. Just think about it. He spoke this world into existence. The basic atoms, molecules, everything down to that is spoken into. That's like the word. Everything is comprised of his word, of his spirit, and things like that. I was going to say, also, life and death comes from the tongue and Mm -hmm. into the word you say, and it just makes you know, what comes out of a man defiles, that's what's written in your heart, is life or death, it's going to be God or sin. I heard a, I heard a pastor say, um, I think his name was, um, what was the big uh, with the glasses? Mike something? Mike Hoggard. Uh, he mentioned once that he said that when Satan was dealing with Eve in the garden, and I was trying to count him, but I keep losing count, but he claims that, what well, you know, in um, chromosomes, there's 23 from the mom, 23 from the dad, so that's 46. Mm-hmm. He claimed that the serpent said 46 words to Eve that got her to fall. So I'm sitting here trying to count it because, you know, that's interesting how her genetics may have been changed just by partaking of the fruit mm-hmm. of the serpent. So every time I was trying to read, I kept getting thrown off, like, what was Eve and what was Satan? But... I'll look it up and, you know, see if that holds some truth, but that would fall right in line with what you said. That is amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, but um, really just, it's interesting, you know, like, just to think that even people that say that they're believers or, you know, I think about, like, even, like, some Catholics that like try to pray through um, other people or like worship other people, you know, um, and just how this walk, um, when we're getting filled and God is literally changing us down to our very chromosomes, um, and this is spirit that's inside of us, um, changing us, um, renewing us, and how people say that they don't hear from God, but it's like, how, how, how are you filled with the Holy Ghost, um, a living comforter that lives inside of you, and you don't hear from him, it says he's inside of our tabernacle, you know, um, I don't know, I'm just super thankful, you know, for God, and just for him, just revealing this stuff to me regardless of I don't know the other side the other gender or whatever it is you know but just really knowing that it's not me that knows anything and this is like me going into a world where I have to educate people I guess on this stuff but the thing is in order for me to not be ignorant of what Satan's doing, I still have to know this, you know, and I have to find out where God isn't so I can apply God there and let them know in whatever way it looks like. And clearly, if it's words, if it's truth, that's spirit, and that's going to 
that's going to just break barriers and fill in that fill in those voids where God's spirit needs to be placed and poured into Corinthians 1 and 19.
So for after that, in the wisdom of God, by the world, by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God's word will not come back void. That's why if God tells you to speak, that is something that you should do. First of all, it's a blessing to hear from the creator of all things and the Lord and Savior of your salvation. But you just got to do it regardless of if you really know what it's going to yield or not. Even if it sounds crazy, just do it. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Alright, so that's what I want to share. strong and ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves so that's just you know talking about being servants and uh, really not to think of ourselves more than what we are but to help others let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to the edification for even Christ pleased not himself but as it is written the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me so basically, everything that we did sinful in this life and in previous, uh, all of that fell on Jesus Christ when he died on the cross. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope, might have hope. So, as it's been, you know, as it was talking about tonight and everything like this, is that if we are... You know, taking the knowledge of the scriptures in our hearts and we want to change, then we have that hope. But it is, it is a continuous walk. It is a continuous change for the rest of our lives. And because if we don't, then we can get so easily pulled back, as it was described tonight, we can be so easily pulled back into the world. We can easily get com uh, put back into a comfort zone when the Lord is trying to pull us away from the world that we can be one with Him. Now the patient's now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ, that ye may have with one mind and one mouth glorify, excuse me, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're like-minded in the scriptures, we're not going to be fighting with one another. There's not going to be strife and contention because there's only one enemy out there, and that's Satan. And we're going to come together on one accord to glorify Jesus Christ. Whether you receive, wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So God came down and he took us. He found us. We didn't, you know, we could never find Jesus Christ. He finds us. And he takes us out of that sinful life. So the chance that he has given us, he wants us to do for other people. 
Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promise made unto the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this cause I will confess thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. So this gospel is not just for, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, the children were the children of Israel. You know, in the New Testament, it's of the heart. You know, we are the children, God's children of, uh, of the adoptions, it says in Romans 9. We are the adoption. And so the Gentiles, and we're all Gentiles at one time, and then we are brought into that with, you know, giving over, or giving ourselves over to Jesus Christ, and that he circumcises the heart, and he takes all that stuff, like we've been talking about tonight, he takes all that stuff off of us so we can, you know, walk with him. And again, he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, that means to praise him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and that, he, and he that ra shall, raise, shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. So this root of Jesse, obviously we know this is Jesus Christ when he comes down, and, and he gave his salvation not he gave it to everybody. The salvation is for everyone. And so even people thinking that they're in a true religion and they're not, it's like, okay, you still now need salvation. Because there's a lot of knowledgeable people out there thinking they're saved and they're not. And it's like, it's not head knowledge that's going to get us saved. It is that heart knowledge. It's it is the simplicity in Jesus Christ. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope, through the power of the Holy Ghost. So, so I'm just looking at this, like, uh, verse 9, and it says, And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, for his cause, I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and stand to thy name. And then I look to you at when then, sorry, 15 and 1, it says, When then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. So, just this more like this heart thing just talking about it like us having infirmities like in our weaknesses that's where God's strength is made perfect if we're constantly like trying to attack these weaknesses with our own man-made just reality of what we think like perfection is which we don't know clearly from the start we just don't know what that is and then too it says and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy so, like, you taking away those things, those potential miracles that point directly back to God because science says this happens, you know, or medics say this happens all the time. When God comes in and completely blows that thing out of proportion, that just cuts that out, you know? Sorry. And the Gentiles were also known as the ignorant, yeah. not God's people. So they are ever grateful when God shines light on them and brings them to truth. Because, I mean, you know, come on, like Sarah said tonight, we're all Gentiles before finding Christ and being born in the Spirit under adoption. Before that point, man, we are, you know, come on, we lived how we lived. And we made excuses for every part of it. Like, and there are things we still excuse yeah. that God is just still cutting away, yeah. <laughs> you know, working on us. Like you read tonight about where Paul said, but, you know, thank the Lord, what I did, I did in my ignorance. And so it's like, even though he was a murderer and he did everything like that, he thought that what he was doing was for, you know, uh, that he would get gain out of it from the high priest. And not realizing, truly realizing that he, what he was doing was actually killing.
killing those that actually believed in Jesus Christ until he gained that knowledge. And when he gained that knowledge, it's like he preached repentance from that time forward. Mm -hmm. Because it was like he was having to pay that. He almost, it almost seemed like he was paying a debt that he owed for what he had done for the persecution. And so uh, that's what it is. It's a constant repentance for the life that we live, that Jesus Christ died on the cross, and that we go out and we tell others, repent and be saved. Change and be saved. But it is a, it is a heart change that we have to have. Amen. Eventually, if we just start replacing ourselves with artificial parts, we're going to be like, you know, like cars eventually. Like, that's how I feel sometimes of waiting to get the diagnostics on my car. Like, like it's like a doctor. Like, oh my God, like, what do I have to do? You know, like, get a new one. You know, it's going to be like the same with people eventually. You know, like, uh, there's nothing, you know, we can do. You have to have, oh, sorry. You want to take the chair? Uh, I can see you. Yeah, okay.
Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you, Lord, for the brethren. We thank you for the family and friends. We thank you for the union in Jesus' name. Lord, I just ask that what you have done tonight, shedding light on the gifts of others, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you pour into that spirit, Lord. We just pray that you continue to give an increase, Lord, to the place that we are bursting forth and that we have a clear understanding of what our purpose is before you, Lord. And let us become fruitful because that's what you want us to be. So, Lord, I just pray that you just plant seed, Lord, into our fertile ground. I pray that if we yield ourselves to you, that there is nothing that you will hold back from your people. So, Lord, just let it be less of us in the midst and let the gardener do his perfect work. For after all, Lord, we are your vineyard and what you choose to plant, Lord, is what it will be. And I thank you, Lord, for that beautiful song. I thank you because those words are so true, Lord. Whatever you want us to be is what we shall be. How can the clay say to the maker what they prefer, Lord? And I'm just praying, Lord, that you remove that from the midst of your people. I pray, Lord, that you dictate what we do. I pray that we learn to yield to your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you just finish the work that you began in your people. So, Lord, I'm just grateful tonight for what Christina brought forward, Lord, and touching the heart, Lord. And I just pray that it touches all the hearers, Lord, because it certainly touched my heart. And I'm just grateful, Lord, for my brother Carlin for what he brought forward tonight, Lord, when he was talking about genetics, Lord, when he was saying that there is no, no other, Lord, that knows us outside of you. Man is a sugar ant, just trying to figure out little this and that. But, Lord, you are the creator. You made us, Lord, and you know what's best for your people. I pray for my sister Sarah, Lord, for what she brought forward tonight. I pray for our sister Deborah, Lord, and all the she brought, Lord, that spirit of praise. Lord, let it rain in this place. Shed light on all darkness. Let Jesus Christ govern, Lord, because this is what we have been called to do, is to be vessels fit for the master to use, to be the light of the world, to stay with the true vine, to seek, ask, and knock so that God can provide. Well, Lord, I just pray that you give us hearts after you. Please don't let these messages fall on deaf ears. Lord, I pray for a strong presence of the Holy Ghost right now. That you baptize your people in the Spirit and with fire. Let the Holy Ghost fall upon your people, Lord. Purge us to the place where we can have your treasure living in us. Lord, I'm just thankful for my brother Mark, Lord, with all he does concerning the ministry, Lord. All the behind-the-scenes work, Lord, getting your work out there, Lord. I know that it's not easy, but I'm thankful, Lord, that you've given him the patience. I pray, Lord, for my brother Sam and my sister Deborah with what they're doing in terms of ministry, that you will continue to bless them, Lord, in dealing with the youth. That's no small matter, Lord. They are the future. When all of us are gone, Lord, who is going to carry the torch? But one thing you meant for your church to be is complete. So that when one steps down, the next one comes up. And Lord, I pray for my sister Sarah with all you're doing with her, Lord. Continue to sanctify her, Lord, and allow her to bring the word and the spirit. My sister Christina's spirit of teaching. My brother Carlin with what he's doing now in ministry. I pray, Lord, that you bless him a thousandfold, everyone in attendance. 
I pray, Lord, for my sister Anna, who also teaches the youth. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you pour into her spirit, that you give her more, Lord, that she might be able to govern those kids right. And I just pray, Lord, for other ministries out there that are in the fight, that are going through so much, Lord. People that are putting their lives on the line because they believe in Jesus Christ and your finished work. Well, I pray, Lord, that you get your army together. And I pray that we be accounted worthy, that we may enlist in service to carry the banner of that great name, Jesus Christ the righteous. So, Lord, we know that you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful. You are just and true and worthy of all praises. We just pray and we ask for all that we pray for and all that you want to put in our hearts tonight, that these things be done for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.